So when it comes to people who are underserved or underestimated, usually we don't come from immense amount of wealth. And so we, throughout our whole lives, have learned how to hack the system. That's Stephanie Cummings, CEO and co-founder of Please Assist Me, a home management app for busy professionals. Essentially, they bring in reliable assistance to help you manage your day-to-day chores. Stephanie joined us backstage at last year's 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival to share how she's been growing her company while leveraging resources like Tennessee's Entrepreneur Network. You're listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a podcast powered by Launch Tennessee, dedicated to entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders. I'm your host, Clark Buckner. Launch Tennessee is a public-private partnership that supports entrepreneurs from ideation to exit. And the vision is real simple. Make Tennessee the most startup-friendly state in the nation. And Tennessee is one of those few states with an entrepreneur resource infrastructure operating across the entire state, collaborating with over 30 partners in industries such as healthcare, life science, energy, logistics, music, and more. In this episode, Stephanie shares how she's worked with Launch Tennessee partners in Memphis, Chattanooga, and Nashville to get her startup up and off the ground. People don't know this, but I was actually still working part-time in a corporate job, and I would drive down to Chattanooga, like, Tuesdays, and, like, work on my business and try to get it solidified and then drive back and work in a 9-to-5 job. You're about to hear Stephanie's story from her early days starting her company. And since our interview at 3686... Please Assist Me has expanded to Washington, D.C., along with being accepted into the Backstage Accelerator, which, by the way, had over 1,800 applicants. It's so good to have you on this journey with us. Subscribe to the show for more stories like this at launchtn.org podcast. Now, let's jump in. My name is Stephanie Cummings. I am the CEO and co-founder of Please Assist Me, uh, which is an all-in-one home management app for the busy professional. Uh, We are so excited to be here because I am a 3686 FedEx Innovation Scholar. And basically what that means is FedEx uh, selected 100 females, minorities, entrepreneurs to um, give a a scholarship to to attend this conference. So, so thankful for FedEx for their deposit into females and entrepreneurs and helping us to grow. Yes, I'm so glad they're making that investment too. And have you been to 3686 before? Um, so last year, someone gifted me their ticket, but it was only for a day. And so uh, kind of got just, a little flavor, got a little flavor. But this is the first time I've actually been fully immersed. And it's totally an amazing conference. And so lucky and spoiled to have it in Nashville. Um, most of the time to get this type of quality program. I mean, I, I flew out to South by Southwest last year. So but now it's here in Nashville. So excited to have it. Yes, yes. And flying out to South by Southwest. We'll get to this later, but that was in collaboration with Arlen and the mm-hmm. Backstage Capital crew. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about kind of your journey on this being your first startup, um, partnering really well, not only on the VC side, but also in the ecosystem that you're planted in and throughout the state of Tennessee. So I mean, you've had connections with Nashville, with Memphis, with Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so thrilled to actually sit down and kind of talk through this. So before we get to that, quick snapshot, please assist me. How did the idea come to be? Tell me more about what it does, where you're going, and then we'll kind of walk along your your journey that you've had so far. 
Yeah, so Please Assist Me was birthed out of, um, I worked for a startup that was half owned by HCA, half a startup, so really got this to understand. out of college. Uh, right, out of col- right out of grad school. Right, right out, out of grad, yeah. grad school, got uh, it. And, you know, really learned the, you know, the in and outs of startup life, but still associated with HCA, um, worked out of their offices. And then that entity got fully bought by Cerner um, and worked through, you know, was hands on the ground through that acquisition process. And then once acquired by Cerner, I was a, um, over a project that made a million dollars in its first year in the market. So we were responsible of um, bringing that product to market and then generating revenue. And so while I was succeeding at work, my home life began to suffer. And so I was coming home and there was a pile full of laundry and you know dishes in the sink and empty refrigerator and started noticing that my female colleagues were leaving the workforce, not because they wanted to, but because they felt forced to, because of the demands of managing a family and managing a house and managing their work responsibilities. And so that's kind of where Please Assist Me was birthed. It wanted to be a one-stop shop, all-inclusive app for the home, for the busy professionals so that they can come home and everything's done. So your groceries are already in the fridge, your laundry's washed and folded, your dry cleaning's hanging up, your house is clean, and that birthday cake that you need for your son's birthday in two days is already in the refrigerator. So like, you, you know, to it's be magical. Able, yeah, Magical, your own magical fairy that comes and does everything for you. But utilizing, instead of having a fairy, utilizing technology to make it happen and a dedicated, um, vetted, you know, workforce that's insured. They wear body cameras, you know, adding all those um, protections so that you feel safe with someone being in your home. Definitely. So you are in Nashville Mm -hmm. and you just kind of gave me a snapshot of what you were doing after grad school. Now, I liked how you were able to kind of connect your previous experiences and how that's equipping you for your first startup. Now, just to kind of give a snapshot, in college and in grad school, you had a really important project close to your heart that I would love to hear about. Yeah, so I call it my passion project. Uh, it was called uh, Closets of Love, and basically we it was our mission to empower every child to feel good when they walked out of the house. Um, so I previously had grew up in a single-parent home. Sometimes I didn't always have the nicest clothes to wear, and I remember my aunt or people at my church and community would, would send the blocks of clothes, and I would dress up and play, you know, have a fashion show in the, in the hallway because I just felt so beautiful and felt so loved, and so I wanted every child to and to feel that same way to put on something new and to really feel empowered when they go to school um, and not think about what they have on so we had pop-ups all throughout the state of Tennessee um, in Nashville and Chattanooga and then we also sent clothes to orphanages in Rwanda Honduras and Mexico Wow so big focus on Tennessee and then also getting those those resources beyond mm-hmm. So that was a side hustle, kind of a yep. side gig, yep. but um, that kind of dipped your toes in this experience of like starting something that's yours. It was a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fast forwarding to today, when what was the year? Um, can you kind of rewind me back and when you said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really try to pursue this idea. Please assist me. So you're living in Nashville, but what's the year? And and how do you how did you start to maneuver to find the resources that you needed to see if this thing could lift off. Mm-hmm. So I unfortunately wasn't born with the silver spoon in my mouth and so knew if I was going to start a business I had to um I couldn't just start my job cold turkey. It's so a I, huge privilege. Who's huge privilege? I wish I could have. We would have yeah. been so much further along, but I had to, you know, slowly you know, edge my way into this process. So I found a part-time, I was working full-time, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week, found a part-time job that allowed me to have two um, days a week to really focus on my business. So I shifted from my job at Cerner to a job at Mahir Medical College, worked on a grant there. It was a great and rewarding experience, but it also allowed me to do 
please assist me. And so really got customer feedback and we built our MVP and we did an apartment pilot all throughout that time to really vet it. And then once we got um, investors on board, I was able to pursue please assist me full time this March um, and have been and have really been just grinding and growing ever since. Great. Now, you're doing the part time job in Nashville, Mm -hmm. but. When was it when you got connected to CoLab in Chattanooga? Yeah, so we got accepted into the CoLab Accelerator in Chattanooga in August. And so I would drive down to Chattanooga Tuesday morning. I would do programming all how day. Early? How, how early? How <laughs> early waking up to drive down to Chattanooga? Well, I, a little fact about me. I previously was Miss Chattanooga. I did that when I was in grad school I did as well. not know that. <laughs> I was Miss Chattanooga, so I was actually used to driving back and forth. So it was only about an hour and a half, two hours from Nashville to Chattanooga. You know, so, yeah. And then you have the time change, so that kind of helps as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you go through CoLab. Now, was that your, I guess, your first experience kind of getting like a cohort experience, being a part of advisors, mentors, mm-hmm. all that? What When you look back on that experience... In, in Chattanooga Cola, that's one of the ECs, kind of air quotes, entrepreneur centers. Sometimes they have different names throughout the state of Tennessee that's in the Launch Tennessee mm-hmm. network. When you look back on that, what do you find was most valuable to you in your early stage validation of please assist me? Yeah, I think being part of an accelerator, I had done mentors before, and sometimes you meet with someone they really don't understand, they don't believe in you, that sort of thing. You have to, you know, try. It doesn't take long for you to kind of get that vibe. Yeah, you have to try to find, but when an accelerator, they accept you into the program, so they already believe in you and your vision and you as a founder. And so it kind of felt like a family, like somebody was wrapping their arms around me and my vision and my baby, and then was giving me the tools and direction on how to succeed. We grew so much. That's also, when we did our pivot from B to C to B to B, we'll talk about that, which we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about later. I like that. Um, but yeah, just in full general, really helped me understand how to create a successful startup, what was needed, um, and, and then you know, then I use that to kind of move forward. So one of those things that may be needed in the startup—that's the pivot, and that's what you just were alluding to, changing from the B to C model, which was the scenario you were explaining to me. You got these busy professionals. Women, and I mean, men and women use a product, mm-hmm. use a service, I should say. So tell me about that pivot. What changed and why was that change so significant? And that unlocked a lot of future opportunities that we'll get to after that. Yeah. So first of all, let me just say that when we started off, I was cleaning homes. It was me and my husband or me and my co-founder. We were on the floor cleaning homes. And I wouldn't deviate from that because there's something really valuable about being hands-on and and getting really understanding the life of your employee and the life of your customer and and getting that real-time feedback. But we were driving, you know, all over Nashville. If you know anything about Nashville geography, we were in Hendersonville and then we had to go to Franklin and then we had to go to Thompson Station. Then we, you know, Murfreesboro. We were just all over servicing homes and thought that the density would grow. But at that stage, at that time, we were bootstrapping and just the customer acquisition cost for B2C, for one, is very high um, in comparison to B2B. And then also, it just we didn't have the density starting out to maintain that houses model. And so actually, I went to an apartment complex looking to just leave flyers for their residents. And the apartment manager said, hey, I really think this can be something that we can work with. And she actually wrote down, you know, kind of, framework of our business model and said, this is what will work well for an apartment. And then from there, we shifted from, a. it worked so well that we shifted from the you know, homes to apartments because one, we have a high concentration of our target market, working professionals. They live next, you know, just go from door to door to door and service everyone. And then the apartments are able to differentiate themselves from the person next door. So it was a win-win for everyone. And it just made a lot of sense. So you're saying the person next door, you're talking about one, one of these big 
development, mm-hmm. they can say, hey, we use Please Assist Me. If you're working here, we're going to take care of all. You can just focus on living your best life, and we're going to take care of all the things you need. Now, those people down the street, they don't, they don't use you work with you yeah they, it's, it's you right. know this system is only available to you and the you know in the in the apartment down the street doesn't have this for you wow okay so when you made that shift to the b2b route was this around the time you were looking for investment you started looking for investment from day one let's kind of shift over to that first time founder investment from a vc is an option it's usually a small percentage of people who can actually pull it off and you have. Mm-hmm. So kind of walk me through that next. Yeah. So we actually were, were, were part of also at the time, part of the National Entrepreneur Center. And they sent out an email about the Google for Entrepreneurs Black Founders Exchange. And give a little background, Google hosts uh, four exchanges a year. And one of those is always focused on African-American um, founders. And so applied for that, actually got a rejection email. Wait, what? Uh, what? I did. What? I got a rejection email. And uh, two days later, they said, hey, you were number 11. There were 10 spots. They said one person dropped out, and we want to invite you to go and attend the exchange. I actually wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, And so I was super excited about going to the exchange. But that was the first time I had one-on-one meetings with investors, people that really believed. Where was the exchange? It was at the American Underground okay. in um, Durham, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And that's one of the Google for Entrepreneur Tech Hubs. Yes, exactly. Um, and so went there, had an amazing week. Not only did I meet with investors and um, you know other you know mentors, but I also gained the community of other entrepreneurs that I still stay in contact with today. Like I, I text them and people you competed people, against. People, well, yeah, people c- competed against, but then also we we never said it was a competition. We always just said we anyone that won, we would be excited for. Because because of the quality and, and of the people that were there. And so, yeah, we call ourselves a family. We have a Slack network. You know, we well, do all yes, of that. Yes, I love that. <laughs> um, and so while I was there, there was a pitch competition. And in that pitch competition, Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital selected five of the 10 companies to invest in. And we were thankful t- um, to be one of those five. Had you known about Backstage Capital or Arlen kind of before this time? I mean, this is, I mean, you're still kind of early into moving in this whole yeah, space. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't really know about Arlen until I found that she was coming to the exchange. And then I started researching her and figuring out all the, the amazing things that she was doing. Um, and this is also when Arlen was a little earlier and not as popular as she is now. But now she was she's still, a celebrity. <laughs> now she's basically. a celebrity, yes. Um, and she was a, a celebrity in her own, like definitely, definitely at that time. Certainly. Um, but she has blown up since then, uh, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, really got to learn about Arlen and her vision um, and being uh, not just, you know, I checked two of the boxes, not just being a female founder, but also being a woman of color. It just made a lot of sense to be part of her fund. What did you learn when you met her and you researched her? What is, what, like, how do you describe what she's doing and why does that matter so much to you? Yeah. So when I was fundraising originally, um, I didn't understand the inequalities in the past when it comes to um, female founders and um, 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 the minority founders. But when you combine those two together, only 0.2% of African-American females receive venture funding. That's 0.2, not 2%. Not 2%. 0.2% of African-American females receive venture funding. Um, Super humbled now to be part of that 0.2%. But what she was doing was moving the scale, said, hey, you know, minority females aren't getting funded. Females aren't getting funded. LGBTQ founders are not getting funded. That starking percentage that I just quoted for African-American females is true for all of those three sectors. Um, in some, you know, frame or, or, or portion. So, um, yeah, was just she was saying, hey, I know that 
I could build a great company and she had in the past. She says, and we, I need to provide a, a solution and a structure focused just on moving the needle and providing resources for African-American female founders or Mexican-American female founders or, or LGBTQ founders who aren't receiving the support from the venture world. And so I'm so grateful for that because once she invested in us, that was what validated us as a company and allowed us to truly be respected um, among other investors. Let's talk about that next, but one thing to call out here, something that I've heard Arlen talk about so frequently, and this is not just some charity thing. No. This, the reasoning behind it is very strategic and it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And the way I've heard it is, I mean, you take a minority founder, compare it to someone who's not, and typically what data has shown is those who that are successful, they are able to achieve similar results with a fraction of the cash. Of the cash. Mm-hmm. So what Arlen's premise is about is your money's going to go further. And just imagine if you did give them more, what they just imagine what they could do, right? Mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of shooting from the hip there. But. Yeah, no, 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 100% of her, her ideology. So when it comes to people who are underserved, or as she states, underestimated, usually we don't come from backgrounds. Underestimated. Underestimated founders. Um, usually we don't come from, from immense amount of wealth. And so we, throughout our whole lives, have learned how to um, hack the system. For instance, I received the full scholarship to, to undergrad and then received an assistantship to to grad school and then use Miss Chattanooga's funds as well to provide for living expenses. So I was very good and had to learn how to hack the system in order to pay for my education. So I just used those type of hacking tools to then also hack the system right. and, you know, and find ways to provide a good quality product for my customers. Um, so whether that's, you know, learning how to, to code. I mean, I already had some IT um, chops, but then I was like, okay, let me fill in the holes and get this MVP out there. And then also iterating on that to, you know, marketing, to, <laughs> to learn yeah. how to do graphic design. And so that's where the piece comes in that you can get, usually give an underestimated founder capital, and then they can take that and convert that into a much larger return if you give them the resources to actually grow. Right. We have an opportunity to talk to Arlen later today. I yes. can't wait for that. And one other last thing I want to mention before we wrap up, um, we've talked about Chattanooga, we've talked about Nashville, we've also got Memphis that Memphis, you're involved with. very recently, So give yes. me an overview of how you've been able to use the Tennessee network. Mm-hmm. I know you're using other networks, mm-hmm. but in this case, final question, to kind of round out your experience using the Launch Tennessee network, what is happening in Memphis and how, once you got that investment that you said validated you as a business, mm-hmm. Where did that launch you next? And then we'll end. Yeah. Service Master is a, a very publicly traded company that owns Mary Mays, Terminex, American Home Shield, Service Master Clean. Um, so you, you have a home services expert um, and powerhouse in the state of Tennessee. And so Service Master partnered with Startco, which is another uh, Launch Tennessee EC site, um, to create a home services tech accelerator. Um, and we fit perfectly in that. Oh we, my, we, yeah, we service a, homes yeah. and we have a tech component. It was just a... It was a perfect fit. And so actually was uh, at the EC, they heard about us and invited us to become part of Accelerator. We were then accepted um, and then have been working from May until a week and a half ago um, and building our company in 100 days of you know, integrating with Service Master, they're now partners with us. We have offices on site there um, in Memphis as well. We meet with their executives and you know, you know, receive mentorship and and their tech team is, is is available to us as well. So just a really big wealth of resources there, and then also provide even more um, funding to kind of help us to move forward. I wish we could just keep talking. We're gonna have to do a follow up <laughs> because every couple months you're just 
I mean, it, you know, it's amazing how quickly you're growing this and scaling this. I know you have an amazing co-founder. Mm -hmm. You have a great team of people yes. surrounding you. Just like you said when you described that in Chattanooga, people who are kind of, they wrap their arms around you and supporting you and your baby, that's just growing more and more. Every yes. time someone meets you, they just fall in love with you. And they, I mean, you're going to, I know you're going to crush this. So we're so proud of what you're doing. I am really admire you and I look up to you a lot. So final question is how can someone learn more about you? Yeah. So connect with you. Check us out. Um, Pleaseassistme.com or pleaseassistme.co. Um, .co is more for our apartments, but feel free to reach out if you're an apartment owner. Um, and then also um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And how about you personally? Facebook. Too. Uh, so my handle is on Instagram and on Twitter, True Startup Life. Uh, so I try to give a glimpse into what startup life really is like. I typically see checks yeah. on that. I'm, I'm seeing you winning stuff. <laughs> well, it's the pitch competitions. It's the constant grind that you have constant to stay aware. Grind. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, thank you so much for taking the time for us. I know um, Arlen will be later on in the Jump Fund Women's Lounge yeah. here at 3686. I know you're, you're going to be hanging out over there some more. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I can't wait to, to keep the conversation going. Yes, it was a privilege. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Disrupt the Continuum. This is the place where entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders share their story on how they're challenging the status quo to create their own path. I hope you follow along with us at launchtn.org podcast and join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at launchtn. Launch Tennessee has received national recognition for statewide collaboration and innovative economy and stakeholder diversity. And that's because of amazing folks like yourself who are contributing to make Tennessee the most startup-friendly state in the nation. Until next time, don't forget, be sure to subscribe at launchtn.org podcast, and we'll see you soon on another episode of Disrupt the Continuum.